Welcome to another edition of Record Roundtable, where we cover an artist, a band, an artist and a band, and a real spooky guy. This week we're talking about Alice Cooper. This is Caleb Robinson speaking. I'm here with Jared. This is Tyler. And once again, this week we were talking about Alice Cooper, both the band and the artist. And, and the man. And the man. And the man. Le- legally the man. The legally man, yes. Yes. Le- legally Alice Cooper man. Yeah. That's a movie that came out, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's pretty good. How did you guys feel about listening to Alice Cooper and reading about and learning about? It was not too bad. Uh, he has some good albums. He has some bad albums. And he has a lot of albums. He has a lot of albums. But he's got a lot of good songs, like hit songs. He's got a lot of hits. That's fair. Are you saying this is a Rolling Stones situation? No. I think he's better than the Rolling Stones. Like, I think I enjoyed it more than I enjoyed the Rolling Stones. What are you doing? Why are you making that face? What? I I enjoyed it. You enjoyed Alice Cooper more than the Rolling Stones? Yeah. Wow. Rolling Stones were like last... I'm not. Alice Cooper's not going to be last for me this year, and Rolling Stones was last for me last year almost. Fair enough. I'm just surprised I wouldn't have expected like that. This is like it's it's like a just kind of like a, a thing we did this week. It's not like a highlight. Sure. It's not like a low point in the year. It's just going to be like somewhere in the middle. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a pretty good way to put it, Jared. Like, do you agree? Do you think that yeah, it was bad? Bo- did you think um, it was bad? Uh, I about. I probably agree with you like 60%. Okay. All right. I think that the albums as a band were pretty good all in all. I mean, here's the other thing too. Up until 80s, it's just classic. It's kind of just classic rock right. type stuff, right? Um, with the horror element, which is cool. And But then once he hit 80s, he does start to get... He's kind of got a bunch of different genres that he touches. But he touches them all in like the same way during different periods. And during the 80s, it gets a little bit questionable because he kind of does what all the rock people do and gets into a little too much of the, you know, what's going on in in the pops. And then with that 1991 release, he doesn't do what Black Sabbath does. And he doesn't come back and like kind of nail it with an album that matches 90s uh, music of the time because... Honestly, like classic rock by the '90s is like done. '90s being uh, that's "Hey Stupid," correct? Yes, "Hey Stupid." Even though I'd like a song on there, which is because it's on Wayne's World. Which I don't know is... if you remember "Feed My Frankenstein." Yep, which is a pretty, pretty good song. It's a pretty it's good. It's a song. pretty good song, actually. Yeah, yeah, it is a pretty good song. It's a it's the best song on that album, no doubt. But the rest of the album really doesn't do it. Like what Black Sabbath did when made an album that what didn't wow necessarily, but like made sense for the time period it was in. And actually, it was a pretty good metal album. Mm-hmm. He did not do in no, the '90s. No. And yeah, it was it was like the same hair metal stuff that we yes. were kind of over already. Right, and it extended into the 90s in a way that was, I found kind of weird. I feel like he kind of thought that the song Hey Stupid would be like an ironic hair metal song. Sure. Because he's got like Ozzy on there and he's got other people like vocally and stuff featured on that song. And I think he thought like, let's me and my classic rock friends come in and be like, hey, you guys suck. But it like was not that it right. just wasn't it was too similar the whole album was too similar to that kind of musical stuff of that time and it agree. just wasn't very good i agree and it was also like i read i was reading that people want to put him in metal a lot which i don't think he is until like 2003 you know what i mean yeah like he really doesn't in there that much so i don't know this week was okay i it was i found some things to be a little difficult 
I found some things to be... What I did find to be continually interesting was lyrics, because I like the horror stuff. And he kind of, like, by 03 and I think 08 was that other one that we listened to, he just kind of all out went, like, whatever, I'm just going to put a bunch of, like, weird horror stuff in here that's, like, actually pretty weird. I mean, Along Came a Spider is... It's weird. It's an odd album. But I kind of like, I think, I mean, I think it's interesting lyrically. I'm, I'm, I like that album. I liked it when it came out in 2008. I kind of, uh, it was in like Rolling Stone or something like that, that like they reviewed it. And I remember it coming out and enjoying the, it's a concept album about like a serial killer or something like yes. that. And I, I thought it was a pretty good album as well. Uh, the song Killed by Love is pretty good. It's interesting because the thing that I find interesting about Alice Cooper is like when you think of him, you think of like uh, Schools Out and songs like that. But he makes a lot of ballads. Yes. Like every Way album. Way more almost, than I thought. Yeah, a lot of ballads. And, and I, they're all relatively good. The, mostly. as ballad, In terms of how ballads go, I wouldn't, I don't think I would disagree. But I'm not a ballad person. In that genre. It, I mean, it's got to be like, in the, yeah, I'm not into it that much. Mm-hmm. So it, they're okay, but I don't think they're particularly bad. But here, another thing that I'll say about him is this: because here's where, uh, here's where I 60 percent agree with you. The first four albums, like I mentioned, I think are pretty good. They're just kind of classic rock albums, but I think they're pretty good. The tonality on them is kind of nice, and he kind of like that's the introduction to the horror stuff, and it's cool. What is really cool about Alice Cooper is the personality of the horror things as like a person as a band to begin with, but then as a person, once he moves on solo and like the stage, the Mm -hmm. show, the show is what's important. Like Alice Cooper was in Cincinnati last year and I wanted to go. I want to take my dad because he would appreciate it because I wanted to see Alice Cooper cut his head off. You know what I mean? Like I wanted to see the show, like the show sounds your dad's head off. I was going to say, come cut off my dad's head. He just told me he's a millionaire. I'm joking. <clears throat> and uh get him get him now but that's why like that's why i would i want to see alice cooper because of that yep. yeah not because i think i'm gonna really enjoy the music yep. but like the show is worth it because it's just like he's the i mean a lot of people say he's the guy who integrated horror and rock music yep, which for I, sure so and especially with this like creating the character creating a, a full stage show with like i mean it's like seeing a movie on stage. Yes. So, like, that's really cool. That's where I really... That's like, what I th- like about it. When him. you think of shock rock, you don't think of quality music. No. no. You know? But, like, I, I don't... I do... He is a shock rocker, and yeah. he's, like, this personality, and the whole, like, interest... He's... The name and the character and everything is very interesting about Alice Cooper, but without, like, Alice Cooper, you wouldn't have Marilyn Manson or sure. other people like that as well. Guar is another like yeah. when you think of stuff like that, it's like who would have thought first, to sit down and say, let's put a bunch of crazy stuff in the live performance. First is Kiss. They're like that. They're number one in yeah. terms of like theatrics of stage. Sure. And then Alice Cooper. And then you go down from there. And the, the, those are the two cornerstones. And you have two different like. And again, well, Kiss we, is we like the classic rock. Without, and they never yeah. tried anything really different other right. than taking the mask. Well, and, like, Alice unpainting their faces. Yeah, and doing whatever. that stupid disco album. Alice Cooper is yeah. like the what. Alice Cooper is like what the weird kids who wanted to listen to Kiss would listen to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the people who want to see, like, we're going to see Kiss. Oh, that's cool. What are they going to do? Spew fake blood everywhere? Not really. They're going to like get on stage and have outfits and kind of have like a persona thing, but that, but they don't have like, they're not doing all the crazy stuff that Alice Cooper was doing. So well, that's kind of where I, I also, it's for fu- the theater nerds. I, I think it's funny too, because like, so let, we can back up a little bit. So I'm not sure that a lot of people who like, think about Alice Cooper really even think about the fact that it was a band. 
Most people that probably don't know. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I think that is important to talk about. So, like, if you if you look at the you know the influence of Alice Cooper, sure, Alice Cooper for sure is an important artist. However, it is also worth discussing the fact that Alice Cooper as a band is a whole different thing. They sounded different. Yeah. Like what they did was different. And like, there were members of the band who like, like it it wasn't really something that he continued to really pay a whole lot of attention to, to begin with, you know, like Mm -hmm. I don't think that he necessarily cared a whole lot later on that he was in a band. Like, I mean, he changed the name of himself as a person to Alice Cooper really seemingly so he could keep making Alice Cooper music without having to fight them over. Yeah. Kind of. It does. Yeah. And that's kind of a, an odd thing to do, I would say. Yeah. Um, so you have, you know, you have everything that he's doing with, you know, the actual band. And you also have to talk about the fact that like a lot of his music was produced by, uh, Bob Ezrin and Bob Ezrin was kind of like a big deal in terms of like getting them exposed. Um, but what I think is funny, if you look at them as a band, their first four, five, what was it, six albums? Six yeah, because there were did. two albums we did not listen to. Correct. So they're, they're, they're six albums as a group, and they're not, like, that shocking musically. Like, from what we listened to, they're not really... And I think that really, because uh, well, we started Love It to Death, which is yeah. why we started with the song Caught in a Dream, um... You know, nothing on that album or Killer Schools Out or Billion Dollar Baby. I don't know. Billion Dollar Babies is where it starts to get there. A little bit more, but it's not that shocking. Like they're not saying anything like wild to me. My favorite song is on there, and I think it's kind of perverse. So it's I Love the Dead. I that one makes sense. uses for you, darling. They did. Uh, I would. Uh, you're right. Yeah. Billion Dollar Babies. They did get a little bit more weird. They. I read that the early songs were influenced by Piper the Gates of Dawn. Yes. Like the, a couple early albums, and that that song kind of sounds like a later Floyd song, almost like getting into I Prague think. a little bit, because that thing kind of goes all over. That would be. I don't know if you'd call that one a ballad or not. It's kind of ballad esque, yeah. but it's not. Uh, but it's also kind of early. Like the early '70s, we didn't get into that quite as much. But that's the closest to a ballad to what I like out of his slower songs right but that thing's like weird like it's hard to tell whether that song's talking about necrophilia or just liking dead people in general and that's kind of weird but kind of fun also mm-hmm. i will spoil your your thing i saw the andrew wk covered it and that's pretty cool yeah it was pretty i i, I found that and it, i thought it was pretty good i'm glad that you saw that i hope you liked i saw it. i did i was like this is, i'm pretty sure this is my favorite song i'm gonna say it and i scroll they decided to scroll through and not be surprised this time i saw it on there i was like all right yeah this is you Way say that he wasn't very uh, at that time. You say he wasn't like as perverse musically, uh, but like he had a song called "Dead Babies." Yeah, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Yeah, "Dead Babies" and "Raped and Freezing." Yeah, "Raped and Freezing." Yeah, like what? What do you want him to do? I also, guess, like it was the seventies. It's true. I guess that's true. And yeah. "Billion Dollar Babies" it was the kind of. I mean, that was the last. That's the last of the band albums, and it was the album that was the most popular and like explosive of the band albums mm-hmm. so i think a lot of stuff changed on that i think i think there's more like i think there's more musical stuff 
that has changed on there mm-hmm. and is more, you know, because we get in. And it's also funny, too, that the I mean, I would say I'm 18 and schools out are probably like the two that and no more Mr. Nice Guy are like the biggest songs. And those are all on band albums. Right. Um, well, what I would. OK, so this was my major point. And I guess I, I could back I could back up and say it's more just the one album. Uh, love it to death that my point comes from. But what I was going to say is, is that like they weren't necessarily as shocking musically as I guess Alice Cooper's solo uh, work. I'll, I'll clarify not. that mm. then. But they were are they already as a group were like like people hated them like not like mm-hmm. listeners but like you know old women yeah like mm. old women hated them like Nancy Reagan yeah 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 Nancy Reagan would get so pissed. Um, but like, you know, there were people who were trying to like get them banned off of like, you know, radio stations. They were trying Mm. to keep them off of, you know, they didn't want people to listen to them. And it's like, listen to what? Like, like early on, it's like, I mean, maybe dead babies. Yeah. We can have a conversation about that one. Well, it's funny is they probably didn't even listen to the song. They just thought it was called dead babies and they're all pissed about it. They might not even looked at the actual album. They might've only heard like, cause like schools out was a song that they were like, no, don't. Don't tell. Don't blow your school up. That's a great song. It is a good song. What I also think is interesting, really quick, about like the three big songs that are off of the band albums is that they're like the songs that aren't that are like the least horror of all their songs. Right. All of the popular songs are just like I don't even know where this fits in on this album because it's not even like there's nothing. There's I don't know what it is. It's just like a song about anything. You know, it's weird. What do you think about that, Jaren? You said you you don't think they fit on the albums? That what you said? I said it's weird because they almost don't have a like schools out. The only like horrific portion of that song is blowing your school up in a way. Well, I don't think that everything. And, and, but I'm saying is the rest of those out al- the re- most of the rest of the songs in those albums are using horror imagery, and like no more Mr. Nice Guy is like it's used in Days of Confused when they're like seniors are paddling kids. You know, like there's it's not like a horrific song, especially compared to Billion Dollar Babies has all those songs, including the one I talked about this potentially song about necrophilia. And it's like, how does this, it's weird where it fits on the album, but it's interesting that all of the, like the main big popular ones are just like normal songs. I mean, they are like the more relatable songs really, because they're about, you know, I'm 18 is like about being in, it's about being, being, yeah, what's about being in between and just like things being weird and people treating you weird. You know what I mean? That's a good Am I an adult? Am I young? Right. And school's out is about just like, I don't. You know, it's like kind of it's an anti-authority song which mm-hmm. people can get behind, right? And then no more Mister Nice Guy is just kind of like a rage song almost in a way. You know what I mean? It's just like it I'm is, done putting up with this stuff. It is kind of funny that like so if you look at like I'm 18 and School's Out that like they're not they're not 16 years old when they made these. No, so he was like, 20 like 23 when I'm 18 came out if I remember. Or was, which was, would mean that he's recorded. like probably like 24, 25 when School's yeah. Out comes out. It's like you know you haven't been in school for like eight years, right? It's weird. I think School's Out was my favorite album that I listened to. Mm. I thought it felt like had a really good story. Gutter Cat versus the Jets was a super interesting. Yeah, song. that is an interesting one. Uh, the only my only complaint is uh, the song Grand Finale. I wish the song, like I wish the album just would have ended at alma mater, and mm. there not be the uh, uh, instrumental bit of sure. grand finale. How you feel about Street Fight? I thought it was pretty good too. I thought the whole album was pretty good. I I would say Killer Killer and Schools Out are my two favorite albums, just kind of overall from Alice Cooper's discography. Yeah. I like I like Billion Dollar Babies, as you know. I liked I did like Killer as well. Something about Killer I enjoyed. Killer I enjoy. I mean, really, like okay. So I haven't I haven't said this yet, and I do think it's important for me to be totally honest about it. Um, 
I enjoyed quite a bit the initial four Alice Cooper band albums, and I could not have been any less interested in his solo work. Aww. I just, like, I don't know what, I, I would have thought that something would have caught my attention, but, like, I just could not. And I, I'll say this, though. This is what's very important. My favorite song is a solo song, mm-hmm. and it is his first solo song, Welcome to My Nightmare. That's a great song. Off of Welcome to My Nightmare. Good. And it has a lot to do with the fact that, because you were going to mention this, Jared, it, it has a lot to do with my uh, memory of the Muppets. My first memory of Alice Cooper was him on the Muppets, which to me, I love the idea that the Muppets would bring in a shock rock, like, rock musician onto their show. Like, you wouldn't, like, I don't know. Something it, about it the had idea. to have helped his career tremendously sure. to sure. not be like this pariah and like this evil guy. He's like, hanging out with puppets. Something, yeah, changes He's on a the perspective. Show. Yeah. The, the perspective of the audience to see him, like, and he was kind of, uh, he wasn't standoffish, but he played the character as well on the show. Sure. But he was charming. Well, yeah. that, that's the other thing, too, is where else, I mean, the people who don't like him, for instance, they're not going out and looking for Alice Cooper interviews. So that's the where you're going to find him. The fact that he's on there, it's like the only time they're ever going to see him. You know what and I mean? like, oh, oh. Uh, oh, he's actually like not. He's he's very polite. Yeah, and, he's a very well. He's the son parent. of a. He's a preacher's son, and he he was a born again Christian. Yeah, he is now. He's really not like he. I mean, okay. So let me let me play Welcome to My Nightmare. Yeah, all right, and then we'll come back to we'll loop back hi, into the him hand. as a personality because I think we we I love to talk about the Muppets forever, but. I don't know. I just don't think that there was a lot. You know, there were songs, but like it was hard for me to stay interested in like the rest of his solo discography. There were points where it kind of like caught me off guard. Like I think that the album that caught me off guard the most is probably Brutal Planet. That was pretty good. I was like, what is going? I I didn't. Okay, I will say now. I didn't enjoy it, but I certainly was interested in what was going on. Mm. Like I, I I think let me let me play if you don't mind me playing an additional song really no, quickly. No, no is I would like to play, I believe it was the second song off oh, of the Oh, that's very good that you're going to play that. Wicked Young Man, uh, because it's not what I think of when I think of Alice Cooper. I am so glad you played that song. Are you? Yeah, you know why? Because I got a little booby boop. We'll bring it on back no to way. that for once. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and say Alice Cooper done stole that that guitar riff stolen. This song is a song by the President of the United States of America. No, this song is called "Man Opposable Thumb," and it was released by them on their last album, which was a 1998 compilation album. This song was originally released on the soundtrack to the movie Good Burger. <laughs> Okay, if the, if you're right, this is gonna be groundbreaking. Yeah, 
what I'm going to say is that when it comes to that sounds familiar, yeah, I think that we have kind of we've really found like where they're tasteful, you know? Yeah, like we don't do them on every episode anymore like we used to, but when we do them, oh, you, they're worth it. You bring in the presence of the United States of America and Good Burger, uh, yeah, let's do that. You let's got do it. That that sounds familiar. Please. You got it, bud. I'd like that, please. You got it. What you do you think? What's your, what's the vote? Uh, it sounds uh, enough like it to get a vote. Oh, okay. for me. I hear it. To All get right. a vote for me. It, it, right. You're distracted. You know I played... think you're distracted because of the. Yes, it's that, it's that post sound. that part. Yeah, exactly. Yep. You know who uh, played guitar on that uh, Alice Cooper song is somebody named Phil X, who's now the guitarist for Bon Jovi. Oh, oh great! Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, what I what I think is country my... Bon Jovi, or let's clarify yeah. there, Cl- country Bon. Oh, okay. he joined bon in two thousand something. Yeah. Wonderful. But I love, so Brutal Planet. 11. Brutal Planet kind of by nature is like kind of a new metal album. Industrial metal. Industrial metal, metal, new metal, like kind of in that weird realm of music, which was not popular anymore by 2000. No, but at least it was closer than, I still think it was closer than the 90s. Like, it's not like I haven't heard that. Sure. Even in 2003. Sure. But like it's kind of like because like I found like if you listen to like Hey Stupid, I thought that was kind of like in the realm of like hair metal. That's almost. what yeah, that's what we're saying. Yeah, and, and it, but it was like that's what I mean is that like he's kind of late to the game when he comes into something. Like yeah. he's like, which is funny because like if you go back to Alice Cooper as a band, like they were kind of ahead of their time in a lot of ways with what they were making in terms of their hard rock, you know, classic rock like a classic rock stuff in the early 70s, which we know like Velvet like Loaded came out what was that 71 something like that? Something like that, yeah. And so that we know that that's kind of like the the time when you started to hear things that were going to shape that sound and the fact that they had four albums come out in the, before 73 that sounded like that. Like yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you there. And so it's like but, it's weird that like Cooper as a man like kind of I don't know, he just like almost couldn't keep up. Like once he heard something he was interested in, he's like, I think I'm gonna visit that in like four or five years. Yeah. Keep it on the list. Remember when we used to listen to this? Yeah, sure. I think so. We think we do. That, that album, Hey Stupid, has a ton of people on it. Slash, Ozzy, mm-hmm. Joe Satriani, Steve Vai, Nikki Six, Mick Mars. Uh that's everybody that's on there, but that's a lot of people. Yeah. Also, his bassist, Hugh McDonald, left. And you know what band he joined after he... Bon Jovi. Of course. <laughs> what? In Wait 1994. Are you talking country Bon Jovi? <laughs> no. <laughs> 1994 Bon Jovi. Whatever they were doing there. Okay, what's terrible. going on with this Bon Jovi thing? Something There's is some related connection. to Alice Cooper and John Bon Jovi. All right, I think we might have accidentally... We're going to actually go ahead and we shut down this episode and focus solely on the relationship between Alice Cooper and Bon Jovi. This is now no longer just an Alice Cooper episode. It is an Alice Cooper Bon Jovi episode. Let's go. Let's do it. What you've forgotten already is that Bon Jovi and Alice Cooper are tied to Good Burger. And that's what's really important here. Mm, that's interesting. I, I hate that. this circle. I hate this circle. I, I will say, movie. Feed My Frankenstein is a pretty good song. Off of, uh, I like that song. Too. And I like it. I like it. I like the greasy Fingers on the greasy spine. It's cool. I'm glad they use it in Wayne's World. Also, I probably would have never heard... Honestly, I would have never heard it. I'll be real. I would never heard that song if it wasn't in Wayne's World. And I remember th- thinking that's a pretty cool song in Wayne's World. And I could never find it. And then this week, I kept anticipating it. And then to know that it was 91, I was like, dang, that's like way later than I anticipated it would mm-hmm. be. But Yeah, it's interesting that he had success in so many decades. He did. In the 70s, the 80s, he had success. And then he was able to find his most streamed song is... Well, actually, it was from 89. Poison. Poison, which I could not believe that his it's by like more than double. Yeah. 
wow. that Poison is his most streamed pot- Spotify Over song. School's Out. That's pretty yeah. crazy. What? By a lot. By a lot. I would I would have never guessed that there was a world where School's Out was not his most well, popular yeah. song. Poison didn't even stand out that awful much to me. No, to be no I don't think you. it's an amazing song, but no. it just was like one of his biggest hits. Right. But I don't know how it stayed success like why people are still listening to it because spotify is a relatively newer thing comparatively speaking to the music yeah sure sure so how is it that that's the thing that people go to it has to be in some kind of playlist or had to have been in some kind of movie over the last 10 years that like enough people like i don't know it's interesting Uh, yeah because i mean if you think about it like and we've talked about this before and i think it is you know in 2020 it's still a relevant conversation i suppose is that like Spotify is a measure of success in certain ways, but you have songs that like if the if Spotify had existed in two thousand five, things would have looked very different. It's true, you know. Like, well, l- but- let's be real. The song "Yeah" by Usher, Lil John, and Ludacris mm. would have an astronomically larger amount of plays it's true. if Spotify no, no. existed yeah. at the time. It's true. It's, it's, Probably in the same way that and that's... we we covered this yes uh, we covered this on the Good Band Bad Band episode. Yeah. The some of the most listened to songs by Black Eyed Peas are some of their newer songs, and that's because Spotify is now here selling it. That's well, that's, the problem is is that to equate the same success does not work. So more albums, more of Alice Cooper's albums sold in the seventies and eighties, right? And he had more equivalent financial sales of those than what you get on a Spotify stream. So like you could have a billion Spotify streams. But that doesn't generate the same amount of revenue as what you would do as selling 20 million albums. Sure. Right. Like a billion streams and 20 million albums, you would rather have 20 million albums. Uh, Absolutely. I I just saw an article the other day, (laughs) and it was like one of those like Onion articles, which like, you know, good for them for continuing to make anything because it's so hard right now, I'm certain. But it's... (laughs) Well, I'm sure their readership is up because people are definitely like, you know, it was always like... Some people will believe this, but it's supposed to be funny. I, I guarantee more people are believing it. I, I would so. Think I'm so sure too. their readership is just like. But uh, the article basically just said uh, Spotify celebrates giving their hundred dollar. Nice. <laughs> I was like, that's so funny because it's you know it's not great. Um, but like if you think about that though, with like Alice Cooper, is like it's that's not how it works here because Poison is just being listened to because it's. I also wonder if it's like somewhat self-generating to an extent. You know what I mean? Like when someone goes onto an artist's page and their top song is like not what they thought, they probably listen to it. That's true. And then they they like it enough, they probably listen to it over and over and over. So it's probably somewhat self-fulfilling to an extent. Which like once sense. it gets high enough, it's like people will push it there. That makes sense, yeah. Which is probably, I mean, we don't have to talk anymore about Spotify, never mind. Um, so it, what would you guys, because it sounds like... Um, Album wise, it sounds like both me and Tyler. I'm not sure about yeah. Jared. I do want to. We, we don't. I, I mean, said we mostly. What mine was. What favorite? Al- well, I was gonna say his favorite about? solo album. Yeah, I, that's what I was gonna ask. I'm I down. was gonna see because it sounds like for the most part we're kind of more interested in as albums, the band work. So I'm just wondering if there was a solo album that you found. Welcome to my nightmare was his first solo, right? Yeah, band yes. was. Yes. Yeah, that has to be my favorite. I'm a, I'm on board with you. I think so. I mean, too. some of the I like some of the '80s stuff. I like some of Constrictor. I like uh, Teenage Frankenstein's pretty okay. It's okay. Uh, he's back. The man behind the mask, which was a, a theme song to a Friday the Thirteenth uh, movie. I think that's a pretty good song. That's a good like add it to your uh, Spotify Halloween playlist kind of song. But 
I like some, a little bit of trash was interesting, but I don't know. I didn't love, I did listen to, uh, you guys did not listen to it because it was not mandatory. I listened to Welcome to My Nightmare, the sequel to uh, mm. Welcome to My Nightmare, which came out in 2011, and it is uh, real weird, but I like lots of stuff from it. Um, listen to, if you want to play a song from it. Sure. I would play a Disco Bloodbath Boogie Fever. Get to the set of the chorus. I don't think you hated it. So I don't think Tyler's ever just got the song like, no, I can't do this anymore. Oh, I think Tyler this? Tyler actually just had a moment where he lived the 13th track of this album, which is called I Gotta Get Out of Here. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty much it. A little bit of Wizard of Oz and then right into that weird shit and it's over with. It was, it's bizarre. Yeah. Uh, who also, was that? Th- yeah, who, that yeah. was Alice Cooper. Hey, no, it was wasn't. That, yeah, it was, yes. that wasn't. Yes, it was. Nah. Nah. Master, master of his own voice. Uh, the song What Baby Wants is also on there, and that song is a song with Kesha. Interesting. Interesting. What is going on? play that song? Interesting. Sure, why not? Well, we've all we've gone this far. Yeah, we should, let's, just, let's just dive in. She gonna come for you And you can try to run out is on the next verse can i ask a really important question yes why did we not listen to welcome to my nightmare because you didn't want to i didn't know i told you it was good and you didn't want to have oh it my. i said i listened to this album i thought it was pretty good i just i listened to additional albums this week you guys you I, don't usually do I that all out i'm proud of you i thought it was gonna be fun well, and, it was and it? i also added along came a spider caleb didn't add along came a spider i'm I glad said, this is important it was an int- that one was interesting yeah i like i'm gonna get back to the topic of hand briefly sure Welcome to my nightmare. I'm siding with you, as a and with you. I guess both of you, because that's a, my. I would say that's my favorite of the solos as well. It's his intro when he got the first solo album he did was his first um, concept album as well, right? So mm-hmm. it's the concept of like a. It is a nightmare, right? But all different nightmares throughout the dreaming right. process and this and that. I thought Black Widow was kind of an interesting song on there. I like that one, probably the most out of it. Well, I thought that it was. I thought that album was pretty good. I think it was just kind of the biggest point where he kind of bought into the theatrics. Of yeah, what and he it's was clear. Doing. I mean, it, it's a story yeah. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. for once. So, like, you know, if you listen to his, you know, again, it, it's in the, the shock rock realm, you know, and I think that, like, Alice Cooper is an important artist, but I don't think he ever really did a whole lot as a solo artist in terms of just doing something, like, important for music. Like, I don't think, like, I, you know, again, I think he's an important figure. 
but I think as a as a solo artist, I don't know that I find what he did musically to be influential. I think he was always kind of behind the curve. I think that he never actually did anything super like impressive with his music. I think that the the band work is important. I think again, as a person, super important, definitely worth talking about. But I think that this was the album, Welcome to My Nightmare, his debut was when he was kind of at that point where he was like, I'm going to do something different from the band. I'm going to make kind of my own music. I'm going to see what I can do with it. And I'm going to go from there. And I think that he didn't really know where to go from there. Well, I wonder, so there's two things about it that make that I want to think about in that regard. The first one is, I think that's just when he's doubled, like he just doubled down on the theatrical portion period. He has full control now, really to an extent. He can just do whatever he wants on stage. Because before it's kind of like you all have to agree in a band what you're going to do on stage, who's going to do what. He can just do it all. So this is where like that persona of that person who does the crazy stuff comes out, which is like, it turns it into it. Like it's not just music now. So it's just a, it's a full out entertainment situation. So does the music have to be as good? Not really. It doesn't, have to, it's not, it's, it's, it's a soundtrack more in a sense than it is necessarily just music. So it kind of moves a little bit. Also, like when you learn about the band early on, the, the guitar player, Glenn, Glenn Buxton. So first off, the formation of the band was in high school and oh, there were only a couple of changes and most of the band were the high school people and he ran cross country and these guys ran cross country. It was kind of funny to think about how Scooper ran cross country, right? So uh, Glenn Buxton though, what happened was, I, I'm sure you all read about it, is that they performed at a um, talent show at their school okay. and they performed covers. I did a couple songs. I know one was please, please me, but they, by the Beatles, they changed the lyrics to reflect uh, songs like lyrics about the cross country or track team. So they did kind of a weird Al situation, the weird Al of the song, but only like Alice sang, I believe weird at, Al you say and weird Al. I'll tell you what, I, I have heard... something to play of weird Al and it's great. I was going to say, that, finish your story. I was going to say they probably went to the talent show and they were like, weird. You got to keep it down. You got to quiet down in here. So, uh, Glenn, Glenn knew how to play guitar and he played and the rest of the people didn't know how to play any instruments. So they just like synced over top of everything. And then they're like, they won the talent show and it was very popular. So they said, maybe we should make a band and they go, maybe you should learn some instruments. So Glenn Buxton, <laughs> I'd they, say that may be step one. They Boom, went, they went to a pawn shop and bought instruments, drums, and another guitar, another guitar for rhythm and a bass. And Glenn Buxton taught everyone how to play their instruments. And from that point on, Glenn Buxton is the prominent songwriter musically for Alice Cooper, all four of those albums. So once you, once he becomes solo, who's writing the music now? I mean, he still writes the lyrics, sure, but like, I, I don't even know. I'm not sure if you guys read or not. I, I, I mean, I think that a, a big portion of, I, I, I mean, I, I really don't mind talking about this more because I do think it's important, is Bob Ezrin. Bob Ezrin was kind of the producer. So he's writing as well? or I think that he had a big influence on the sound. So like if you go to, um, so let's say that we go to Alice Cooper. Let's say that we go to the album, um, Welcome to My Nightmare. And if you look at uh, writers, you see Ezrin pop up on the second song, the third song, the fourth song, the seventh song, the ninth song, the tenth song. He must just be kind of like a full-out collaborator at that point. Then I he suppose. is, and he followed him for most of his career is the thing. And so, like, it's not as though it was just like an Alice Cooper thing. Like, Ezrin was an important piece. And Ezrin kind of came in, like, early. He was in there for, like, the early part of the band. Um 
And, you know, if you look at Bob Ezrin, like, who, again, is, I mean, he's more important than, like, maybe we've kind of given him credit for. And I saw his name keep popping up, so I kind of looked into it, and I was like, who, what is going on with this guy? He's, like, worked with Lou Reed, Alice Cooper, Kiss, Pink hmm. Floyd, Deep Purple, Peter Gabriel, like... Jeez. Yeah, like, he's, like, an important musical producer, and it's not, like, this weird... Like, I, I think his, his influence is important. Sure. And well, so, it would have to be. I mean, you got... We know that he makes a shift when he goes solo, and it has to come from somewhere. I mean, because it's not coming from the place it did before, so... And I think that at that point, if... Because if Bob Ezrin was involved in the band, and then Bob Ezrin came with him into the solo work, Bob Ezrin was obviously kind of like... Hey, I'm still a part of what you're doing. He's really the only other thing that stuck around yeah. with Alice Cooper going into his solo career. Right. So if you see his solo career going in a different direction, you have to imagine that that wasn't just Alice Cooper. It was also partially the guy he kept around to help, you know, identify that uh, that kind of image that he had. This is a video. Uh, it's on YouTube, but it's also uh, audible. It's uh, Weird Al Yankovic and Alice Cooper playing the song Donkey Shane on a golf course. Darling Donkey Shane, thank you for all the joy and pain. Picture show, second balcony, was the place we'd meet. Second seat, go Dutch treat, you were sweet. Donkey Shane, darling Donkey Shane, thank you for joy and pain picture so second balcony was the place we'd meet <laughs> let's be real here oh uh, i'm pretty sure that alice cooper was just lip singing i think song. so weird was, uh, definitely weird, dominated yeah, he, oh yeah, there's, yeah he there's was all more weird. vocal alice cooper did not want to do that in any way shape or form no <laughs> He, how he was in, just ready to play golf. How, he's a golf whiz, but he as is. we know. How clued in the Weird Al you think he was at that moment? Do you think he Oh, was, he knew. I, yeah, I mean, that was later in the Weird Al's career. That had to have been it in was the late later. 90s. It was later. Yeah. I, like, I, I like the idea that... Sans mustache. Here's Yes, which is important to know. That, that tells you a lot about what part of the yes, career we're talking about here. <laughs> Once the mustache is gone, he's a whole new man. Um, I love the idea that, like... Because, like... And well, no glasses. What well, was Weird Al hanging out at the golf course? I don't know about it that. It had to have been a celebrity golf thing. Probably. It must have been. But I'm thinking this idea of like Alice Cooper is doing his golf thing, you know, and he's always doing his golf thing. Maybe this is a good point to mention. So Alice Cooper had some str struggles with alcohol. Yeah. And he has basically commented and said that golf is the thing that replaced. It was his new addiction. He golfs like six times a week. Really? What is going on? You know, you have so much time. I did find out this. He's uh, retired. There were th in 1981. Uh, uh, Alice Cooper had been so much into a point of uh, alcohol abuse that he made three albums: Special Forces in 1991 or 81, 1981, Zipper Catches Skin in 1982, and Dada in 1983. He has no recollection of recording <laughs> those albums. He literally oh cannot remember the time of recording three full albums. He toured on those albums. He made the, he wrote those albums. He recorded them. He has no recollection of those albums he, in his life. He drank he drank a lot. Yes. A lot. Um, but I'm imagining this world where Alice Cooper, just trying to live his best life on the golf course, 
Weird Al sees him in the distance, and he says, I've got to get my accordion. <laughs> he gets his accordion. He comes up to Alice Cooper, and he says, let's sing Donkey Shane. And he's like, you mean Donkey Shane. I, I, I guess. And so then he, just, he's, he gets into it. Weird is ready to go. And Alice Cooper's just like, I, I guess there's a camera on me, and I should probably do something about this. Like, who brought the two women? Who brought those they were Weird just Al? there. They, they but whose idea? Did Weird Al put them there, or did Alice Cooper put probably them there? Probably Weird Al. Yeah. I don't know. That's the thing, though, is because like I don't know that Weird Al... Cause, okay, were they singing along? Or were Can we move on from no. this? This is not as important. As I do. Making. One last thing. I like how in. Weird Al's golf outfit is the same as his normal outfit. It's not the same. Yeah, he had the same... Didn't you see his shirt? What is it? It was just a white shirt. I thought. What no, Alice like? Cooper had a white shirt. Weird Al had a pattern. Oh, shirt I know. Like yeah, always. he always look, he's always in character. That's what I'm saying. He's Weird golf, Al's always in character. Weird Al's, Alice Cooper should take no, note. No, Weird Al's golf outfit is the same as his regular. I don't outfit. think he was playing golf. I really don't. Listen, I think he was just there. We we don't know what he was. Why don't question his his reasoning for being on the There's course? No that way day. he was playing golf. That we day. don't know what he did. We don't know. I I'm telling you, I think he just showed up. He saw him from a distance. He said, "Go get my accordion. I'm be, going to get him." I'd be good if. Weird Al is a guy who just shows up on golf courses and plays the Rodney Dangerfield character from Caddyshack, and he just does that on golf courses all over, and, that, and he's just weird. All right. Well, this is I found this interesting. It's probably what I found most interesting is they were in L.A. to begin with. They're from they formed in, Me- in uh, New Mexico or Arizona, and they moved to L.A. and things were not going well. And at one point, they had a show in Venice, and they cleared the entire room in ten minutes. Everyone's gone. So, and this is kind of like their early, this is how they got their first record deal, right? So afterwards, after cleaning the room in 10 minutes, someone, Shep Gordon was impressed by them, and he approached them and introduced them to none other than Frank Zappa. And Frank Zappa signed them for three records to his label, which is pretty cool. It is. And he also introduced them to people that I think, because I mean, with, with how weird Zappa is, he knows weird people, right? So we introduced them to um, a couple people who were on his label, the GGOs and one of them, which I think kind of like helped them determine what they wanted to do on stage. Cause I did start to do some of that, that stage antic stuff initially, but perhaps one of the most questionable potential stage antics involves a chicken and a pillow. Yes. And we may or may not know it. It has at the Toronto rock and roll festival. They had this thing where they had a, a down stuffed pillow. They were going to rip open on stage and the feathers going to go everywhere. And somehow a chicken got into it. Industry plant? Don't know. Could be. Is it peanut butter? Could be peanut butter. Anyway, a chicken is on stage. We don't know. Alice Cooper was a city boy, and I, I find this unbelievable. But he I claims, do, too. I do, he too. He claims he had no knowledge of the fact that chickens cannot fly, so he throws it into the audience. And where it lands in the audience is in the front few rows, which are full of wheelchair-accessed people. So these are all handicapped people with wheelchairs, and the handicapped people with wheelchairs rip the chicken to pieces. Just to pieces. Oh Tear that Destroy the entire chicken. So this is a big deal. Like, you know, people are questioning. They thought he did it for, re- you know, it was part of their stage act and this or that. So people were freaking out. And, uh, you know, so news got around, and it got around to Zappa, and Zappa calls him, and he yep. says... Is this chicken thing real? And Al says no. You know he denies all of it. Okay, he says that it wasn't real because the the story was not only that it happened. The story was that Alice Cooper had bitten off the chicken's head on stage and drank its blood. So he tells him that it wasn't true. He denies it. And Zappa says to him, "Well, whatever you do, don't tell anyone you didn't do it." 
That was one of my favorite stories as well. I'm so glad you told it. And so there you go. And so Zap was like, just keep being weird, dude. And don't tell people you didn't do things that are just insane. Yeah. And let it ride. I, so. It is a shame, honestly. I, I, I'm trying to think. Have we ever mentioned Frank Zappa up to this point on the show? Yes. We did last week on Good Band, Bad Band for uh, Deep Purple because of that uh, that uh, thing that caught on fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rolling Stone review bus or something. Yeah. All, all I was going to say, we have not talked about Frank Zappa. No. Not a lot. I'll no. put him on my list now that he's mentioned that. Yeah. I, I like Frank Zappa. I like Frank Zappa as well. My dad loves Zappa. Zappa, so. Zappa and Beefheart are two people who like, if we're going to cross mm-hmm. over into weird territory, mm-hmm. we got to talk about Beefheart and Zappa. Yeah. Because we would not have an Alice Cooper no, without like, Beefheart and Zappa. That's fun that that Zappa was the one who kind of like did them with the early band. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Because again, does. Zappa's like I think Zappa's like the original musical weirdo. Like yeah. I can't really think of a guy like you know like in the realm of like you know recorded music. I'm sure there was some guy you know like yeah. doing weird stuff before we had recorded. Well, music, probably but. it fits really well in there. I in like all the flack they took too because we know Zappa as a person like we know Zappa now not at the time people knew but now we definitely know after what happened in the 80s with like attempting to censor music and all this stuff that he's a guy who just believes in the artistic expression of it all and I would see like I mean I, we don't know what well, his relationship was like the three of us but I'm assuming he was kind of like nurturing to the idea that they wanted to be weird and different and like whatever you want to put in a song as we know from this story or whatever happens like don't say anything just put it in there and to act like you didn't know you didn't know that chicken could fly, right? I had no clue. I'm from the city. Okay, fine. You know, whatever. It's truly really a ridiculous story. So. I cannot even imagine. Like, all of the details, I was like, okay, that doesn't It's very Aussie That's what I was going to okay, say. It sounds sense. like Aussie, right? Okay, that doesn't There's the sense. connection. Uh, Caleb, you mentioned to me earlier this week uh, some uh, acting credits that Alice Cooper has had. Uh, what Did you uh, have anything in mind that you wanted to bring up? I mean, I think probably we kind of only briefly covered it but i would say one of his most um prominent roles acting wise which is kind of sad is the one in wayne's world because yeah, like yeah. i mean he kind of got memeified the whole like we're not worthy thing mm-hmm. we're not we're, he yeah. also uh he was in freddy's dead the final nightmare he played freddy krueger's father as an uncredited role which he had the song uh freddy's back the man behind the mask well no that's a different song is that the same thing yeah, I don't know. I don't matter. know. I don't remember. Whatever. You mentioned it. I did. Listeners can determine. Uh, he also was a part of the WWF. He handed Jake the Snake Roberts a snake. See, he did. De- derailed. You don't like that? In 1987, so that, that was after so, Constrictor came out. Let's not that so makes sense. quickly forget the... The Jake the Snake situation. Oh, I know. Let's not so quickly forget I know. what he did. I'm going to stick my balls in your face. <laughs> that was a real thing that happened to us. Uh, one of the funniest things to me about his acting career, if you look at his acting career, it is, I mean, because he's a character, Alice Cooper is. Mm-hmm. It's like himself is like every role. Yeah. Like every role, Alice Cooper is playing Alice Cooper. He's he has no dark, range. He's in Dark Shadows. Dark Shadows. Okay, so Dark Shadows. I'm glad you, that's the one I was going to mention. In that one, Johnny Depp makes a comment, and he says that that is the ugliest woman I've ever seen in my oh life. Oh, my. To, about Alice Cooper. Now, you might think to yourself, of course, of course, that is the only relationship that you would ever imagine that um you know alice cooper would ever have with uh johnny depp right obviously not ha please maybe you've never heard of hollywood vampires 
I wondered about this. You ever heard of Hollywood Vampires? The quote-unquote supergroup that who's has the th- both... Who's the third one? Who cares? It's Johnny Depp and Alice Cooper in a band. <laughs> I see that picture and I don't like... Alice Cooper acts like he really likes Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp's in the middle not giving a shit and that's not cool. He does look like he doesn't really Yeah, care. he's not doing the we're not worthy. Everyone, that's how everyone who, you know, should approach him. What songs? You had a couple songs. That, one was a cover? It's, Joe Perry's it's, in it's, it. Oh, it's, oh is right, that Joe Perry? Joe Perry. Aerosmith. Aerosmith. That's oh, right. You should care about that. Oh, you said, who cares? You're right. right. Oh, you I was moron. Just, it's just exciting that it's... I like Johnny how, Depp somehow got into a band with Alice Cooper. What, and what and find, Tommy Hendrickson, who also worked with Alice Cooper. What I find more surprising is that they're, they're allowing them to call it a super group. Right. But I mean, everyone's super except for Johnny Depp, really. But they really only have like covers, which is uh, great. But they have a 2015 album, Hollywood Vampires, and it is just like covered in, in covers? covered in covers. And I think the one that I thought was probably most interesting was a uh, whole lot of love. It's uh, yeah, it's not bad. What exactly is Johnny Depp's contribution? Do we know? I don't have any. He for plays that. guitar, but why would you need anybody else when Joe Perry's playing? Right, right, right. Yeah, he must play rhythm. Maybe he plays. Gu- turn him down. Maybe he plays bass. I don't know what he does. Who knows what Johnny they, Depp it's does? It's because Johnny Depp is on stage. And people are like, oh look, it's Johnny. Every Depp. time they play, Tim Burton has to be there somewhere. Too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. he's hiding. He's hiding in there. There's another credit uh, that Alice Cooper has on his IMDb page that I found uh, very interesting. Hit me with it. He plays a voice on Mickey and the Roadster Racers. Alistair, hold on. <laughs> Alistair Coop Deville. Oh my! I could not oh find my. a clip on YouTube, unfortunately. Oh, that's sad. I so wish. How could nobody have uploaded that? How I don't. Is, I don't know if it's on Disney Plus. No that's that. the only voice acting he's done. Uh, I don't see very much else. He was on something called Duncanville, where he played uh, Alice Cooper. He was also on. Bubble Guppies, playing the character Windy Pete. Listen, I don't want to talk about Bubble Guppies. Bubble Guppies. <laughs> I have had to listen to Bubble Guppies on multiple occasions really? in the last like couple weeks. Oh my! Because the the teacher in my in my room, the the student that they have online, loves Bubble Guppies. I'm like, I guess that's a thing I know about now. Mm-hmm. That's what I needed. I if I ever hear the episode with Windy Pete, though, I'm gonna get real pumped because that like, would be exciting. That would be exciting. All right. Well. <laughs> oh. One more acting credit thing, which yes, is actually yeah. separate from film and television. He has played King Herod in uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, really? Oh, and, uh, opposite cool. Jim Caviezel, that's, I believe. And, oh, and, really? Yeah. He played Cav- Jesus in Mel Gibson's films. Cav- the Caviezel man. That's a <laughs> that's pretty cool. I don't know what he's doing playing King Herod. I don't, I don't know about Alice Cooper and King Herod, but well, I mean, it's Jesus Christ Superstar. They're all kind of you know, yeah, it's not yeah. traditional. I yeah. forgot to mention earlier one thing that I thought was interesting is in the song. Uh, Black Widow that I liked from um, 
Welcome to my nightmare. Is there was a, someone had a cameo in there, an actor had a cameo. Vincent Price was in that song. That is true. And we forgot to mention. How do we forget to that. do that? We're cruel. I know. Well, you could hear it too. Did you hear it or did yep. you just see it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I heard it. I, I saw that he was in it though. Yeah. You know, know the you, voice. I know what you mean. Yeah. He I saw his. He's voice. the Morgan Freeman of horror. I love Vincent Price. He's the, fun. That is a dumb uh, reference that only works for you. Why? Why does it only work for me? Morgan know. Freeman does voice crediting too. It's fine. Voice acting. You suck. <laughs> I'm going to play my favorite song. Please do. I think my favorite song is Elected. I just like when he says things other than elected. Yeah. <laughs> like, but for some reason, I mean, he said elected. He said selected. He said, but he never Let's said. Go ahead. He never said what? We e- know. Erected. There it is. <laughs> I, I love that the three of us only picked songs from 75 yeah. or before. Yeah. Well, Jared well, and I picked about the same album. I, I was, I mean, I. I don't know. That's I'm the only true. one who picked one of his solo songs, true. and it was his first yeah. solo song. It was yeah. It was two songs after my well, song. Well, you, you said it's <laughs> the most important thing. I don't know. What are you Forty-five do? year career, and we only liked Whatever. the first like five years. So I found some songs that he did with other people that I found very interesting. Uh, he did the song "Be Be Cruel to Your School" with Twisted Sister, which is great because. It is a uh, cover, if you will, of the Beach Boys, Be True to Your School. And uh, that's a pretty fun little wordplay they did there. And Dee Snyder's a, he's a badass mother trucker. Uh, he did the song School's Out with the band. Don't, no, no, you got to say We got to play that one. Okay. Save that one for less. We're playing that uh, one. Okay. He did the intro song to the great Malenko. Uh, from the Insane Clown Posse yeah, that, that, as the intro track. That's pretty great. I tried to add that, so and I, a, I saw that you had already added it. was really sad. He's a fan uh, of the Fago. He did the song. <laughs> the song. Drink up. That must be go from the uh, Orange Soda. Oh, good work. See, it's, all, it's a circle. <laughs> it's cyclical. It's uh, he cyclical. did the song The Garden with Guns N' Roses, which is interesting. Uh, yeah, so that's pretty cool. Which one did you miss? There's something on here that you something that you, didn't you liked. Say. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't see anything. This is 18s doing a cover of "Schools Out" for their album "Pop Till You Drop." So, A-teens are a pop group from the uh, 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s. Okay. So, they're basically a ripoff of ABBA. Yes. They covered ABBA, even. They have the the song Upside Down is the song that's their most uh, popular song. They also have a cover of Can't Help Falling in Love. Yeah, and... uh, I saw them live. Really? Back... It was my very first concert. 
when I was a boy. Oh, no. I saw Aaron Carter. Turn the turn it off. I saw Aaron Carter with my mother, and uh, the 18s were there. Leslie Carter, Aaron Carter's sister, who is now dead, was there. And I believe the band Dream Street was also there as well. It was... I don't even remember what year it was. It was like a long time ago. It was a very long it was, time ago. And I, I would have been like it, 10 years old. He was not there. Yeah, I but oh, does he remember it happened? He probably was jealous oh, yeah. about it. You know? No, I did not want to go. I was offered the opportunity to go, and I did not want to. Uh. And what happened was, uh, from what I remember, and I could be totally wrong, but I will say that it was after the 2000 album Aaron's Party, Come, Come Get, get It. it. Yep. Uh, so it must have been probably right around 2000, 2001, uh. which would have been a point where Jared would have been approximately eight to nine years yeah. old. You didn't was, want to go to Aaron's party? No. He was having a party. What I... 18s were there. I could be wrong, but I think that I was at uh, my grandmother's house, and I believe that I was watching the sequel to Mulan. Oh, Mulan 2. Really? I didn't know Mulan but 2 But I don't... That that's early. what I'm trying to remember. That's what my brain is saying. There's no way. Mulan 2 didn't come out that early. I don't think it... That's why my brain is confused. I was convinced, uh, going to the concert... That I would yeah, see Shaquille O'Neal. 2004. <laughs> 2004, there's no yeah, way. Yeah. Aaron Carter has a song called That's How I Beat Shaq. Yeah, I remember that song. And I thought Shaquille, I said, how how will Shaquille O'Neal be there? And I thought he would be. And he wasn't? He was not. That's the not thing, good. Well, there's a reason for that. The thing I remember Aaron about this beat concert. Him. Yeah, Aaron beat him. He doesn't have to beat him every day. That's true. The thing I remember about this concert is that uh, between every song, he would change his outfit. And he had this DJ there. And the DJ would say, when I say Aaron, you say Carter, Aaron Carter, Aaron Carter. Every single interlude. <laughs> Every time he needed to change his outfit, this guy did that same thing. Every three minutes. <laughs> yeah. It was it was a concert. Right? It sounds like half the concert is DJ. Saying, it, see, saying it, it, Aaron was close. Carter. it was close. Oh, no. He was the original Justin Bieber. Yes, he was. But and let's get back to last. Cooper. 18's also covered... Uh, the Tide is High by Blondie, which is another oh. popular. That was a popular song of theirs. Listen, I remember 18. Dude, good. That's good. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad that we have this connection. Yeah. We're, we're old. Yeah. Um, I also found some covers. Oh, yes. Interesting covers. Uh, Dave Mustaine from Megadeth doing School's Out. Pretty good. Poison doing I Never Cry. Pretty good. We mentioned earlier, I Love the Dead, Andrew W.K. cover. That's a cool cover. Creed doing I'm 18. Ridiculous. Very good cover. That was on the faculty the faculty soundtrack, which I had on CD. That's how I know that cover. Uh, Lita Ford, who is in The Runaways, mm -hmm. doing Only Women Bleed. But the cover I want to play that is amazing is another cover of Only Women Bleed by none other than Miss At Last herself, Etta James. That first part of the song had probably about, uh, you know, like 50 more words than the chorus did. That's all right. You think maybe she you put got... so much passion in that. Yeah, like that she song... does in everything. She's phenomenal. That song is about... That song Great is song. about a woman in an abusive marriage. And uh, it's a good... Uh, they call it a, a soft rock song, according to Wikipedia, which, I mean, it is. But, you know, I like that... She did that in 1999, so all those years later, and she no, was able. Uh, somebody uh, presented it to uh, her. Uh, That's wrong. Nope, it's wrong. 
that was on an album of hers, her 13th studio album, released in 1978, called Deep in the Night. Oh. Well, this says Heart of a Woman. Nope. It was a third track on Deep in the Night. The one we just listened to was on Heart of a Woman. The Etta James version of that song she released on an album in 1978. Well, we should listen to that one. <laughs> no, go find that one. That was Only on a different one. Listen to the chorus, though. That was on. What well, we there's just no guarantee to, it's a different version. Yeah, yeah, that's what. I'm, yes. What we just listened to was on her album uh, from 1999. Nobody, Heart of a Woman, is that worried about this? Well, I am. I want. Thing. I want people to know if they want to find this Etta James version, they got to know. They which can album type in Etta James "Only <laughs> Women oh, Bleed" and it will come up. That, and guess what? It will tell them to go to. Oh, the wrong one. Dang. The right. The right one. Oh, maybe. I also like I Never Cry. That's another good uh, soft rock Alice Cooper song. He does ballads well. I, I like them. I like what he does. He's the good band. No, it's a different show. I haven't seen him. Have any of you seen him? No, I I've, I would like to. I've I yeah. wanted to. I wish one of us could have for the sake of talking about him. But it's one of those things where uh, he, like, he'll play Bogarts in like, club shows because he's not selling out arenas anymore. But it's like, can I justify paying $50 to yeah. see this man? Well, he was at, the last time he was in Cincinnati last year, he was at, ta- at Taft. Yeah, that's an expensive venue. Which is an expensive venue. And he was upstairs, of course. So, and it was, and it was, it was like 50 plus dollars, and which is why I did not go. See, but, like, I would like to see him at like uh, the Klipsch or Ruroff or like something like that, uh, an outdoor yeah. arena thing where like he toured with somebody else. Like and the tickets are like twenty bucks for long. That's yeah. what I would do. I want to see the show, man. I don't want to be that far nah, away. I guess. I mean, not. I don't want to pay fifty dollars, but the other thing, like, it would probably. I want to go. I would go with my dad, and that would probably like the experience would probably be worth it. Yeah. Like you know, I already want to see the theatrical portion of it, which is worth about thirty dollars to me. Yeah. But if I go with my father and he likes it too, I guess that's worth twenty more dollars. So anyway, I, I just I wanted to, I was just wondering, I was just wondering about people. Seeing no, him. I've never seen him. I would like to. I think it'd be fun if it was like uh, uh, Alice Cooper headlining, and then it's like Marilyn Manson and Rob Zombie. That'd be cool. Those Vince, are like all like theatrical yeah. shock rock people. And we still get to see John Five, so that's a win. And that's Brian, a double win, really. Brian, Brian will be there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so excited about Brian. I really wish if one day if I could ever meet him, call him that, and he would hate it. I would love it so much. He'd make me the happiest boy. But, you know, who knows? If you're out there, Brian, hit me up, pal. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Record Roundtable. We just finished covering Alice Cooper, and next week we're going to be talking about Beck. Check out our social media bits that you are already familiar with at this point. Check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash recordroundtable. Check out our, our website at recordroundtable.com. No Thank you for listening. Bye.